Part Two, Chapter Three of the Luggage of Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. The Luggage of Life by Frank W. Borham. Part Two, Chapter Three on falling in love i am attracted to my present theme by the merest freak of circumstance i was shown a most interesting letter as i read that letter i felt as one might feel who is suddenly transported to mexico or tibet everything was absolutely foreign to me the language was unfamiliar and the atmosphere was one which i had never breathed as a matter of fact it was the letter of an accomplished pianist concerning music and musicians the writer lives moves and has her being in a world which i blush to confess i have never invaded a message from mars could not have possessed greater novelty but let me hasten to the point the writer speaks of her acquaintance with a certain eminent pianist whose recitals crowd the most spacious auditoriums in europe with ecstatic admirers but our correspondent goes on to say there is just one thing lacking this brilliant pianist is a lonely taciturn man and a certain coldness and aloofness steal into his play and then the writer of our letter mentions the name of a lady pianist that name is a household word in musical circles the wide world over and the writer says that to her personal knowledge this illustrious lady one day laid her hand on the shoulder of the brilliant young performer and said will you let me tell you my boy that your playing lacks one thing so far you have missed the greatest thing in the world and unless you fall in love there will always be a certain cold perfection about your music unless you come to love another human being passionately and unselfishly you will never touch human hearts as deeply as you might now i have confessed that when i read the letter in the presence of the person to whom it was addressed i felt myself a pilgrim in a foreign clime as much abroad as the esquimau in italy but as an esquimau in italy would at least be interested would look about and stare if he did not understand i found myself similarly arrested then becoming skeptical i turned to the recipient of the letter and asked him if a very liberal discount might not be reasonably be deducted in consideration of the pardonable enthusiasm and excusable exaggeration of so attached a musical devotee did not imagination count for something well replied he the singular thing is that the writer of the letter was a pupil of the illustrious lady pianist to whom she refers one day at the conclusion of a lesson the pupil looked up into 
the face of her teacher and told her that she had a secret to reveal i know you have replied the instructor although it is no secret the girl told of her engagement yes answered the teacher but it is not quite new it is some time ago that is so but however did you know i noticed the difference in your playing at once and i have observed the change ever since i was wondering when you were going to tell me i am still a stranger in a strange land the flowers wear strange hues the birds are of unfamiliar plumage and of unaccustomed song i do not understand the ways of the people i cannot speak their language i am all abroad and hopelessly lost but i have been here long enough to satisfy myself that strange as it all is the country is a real country the things at which i marvel are real things i am not being tricked by a mirage it is no illusion i do not dream it is worth thinking about partly because the same sort of thing is to be met with in other realms than in that of music it is not merely that love lends to life a new interest a new rapture or even a new outlook everybody recalls the lines of tennyson's lover let no one ask me how it came to pass it seems that i am happy that for me a greener emerald twinkles in the grass a bluer sapphire melts into the sea but the suggestion in the letter that lies before me goes further than that it means if it means anything that love liberates powers which before were simply latent an arctic explorer has recently drawn our attention to a most singular phenomenon he tells us that some years ago a party of british sailors landed on an isle in the frozen north and by some mischance set fire to the stunted vegetation that scantily clothed the inhospitable place they left it a bare and blackened rock a few years later another party landed and found it clothed with a forest of silver birch trees with stems that glittered in the sunlight and leaves that quivered in the wind it was a scene of sylvan loveliness the flames had awakened slumbering seeds which in the cruel grip of the icy cold had lain dormant throughout the years the wilderness had blossomed like the rose now the letter suggests that when the soul of a man is stirred and swept by life's most masterful passion new and unsuspected powers spring into activity and fruition two instances leapt to mind i suppose scottish literature holds no lovelier gem than the famous letter of dr john brown to dr john cairns it is printed in rab and his friends in that letter dr brown tells the pathetic story of dr belfrage dr belfrage's wife was a lady of great sweetness and delicacy after less than a year of singular and unbroken happiness she 
suddenly died the doctor was disconsolate and his grief was intensified by the reflection that there existed no portrait of his lost love he resolved that there should be one he had not an idea of painting he had never touched an easel he went to the nearest art emporium procured all the necessary materials shut himself up in an unbroken solitude for fourteen days and at the end of that time emerged from his seclusion bearing a portrait of his late bride which became the admiration of all who were privileged to behold it i do not know of anything said dr brown more remarkable in the history of human sorrow and resolve the other case is of course that of quintin mastis he was a flemish blacksmith he became deeply enamored of the daughter of a painter but the painter had vowed that his daughter should marry none but a distinguished master of his own craft mastis laid down his hammer and left the forge he entered a studio and seized the brush and to-day four centuries after his death pilgrims and tourists cross europe to gaze upon the mystery of his descent from the cross in antwerp cathedral and his two misers at windsor ella wheeler wilcox with her usual subtlety and discernment has sung to us in a similar strain though critics may bow to art and i am its own true lover it is not art but heart which wins the wide world over though perfect the player's touch little if any he sways us unless we feel his heart throb through the music he plays us it is not the artist's skill which in our souls comes stealing with a joy that is almost pain but it is the player's feeling i have thought though i hesitate to say it all this may explain a mystery otherwise incapable of solution i speak as to wise men many of us are teachers officers ministers and the like we are frequently confronted with doleful cries and still more doleful facts here are articles on the dearth of conversions and here are plaintive papers on the arrested progress of the church has my theme nothing to do with it i fancy it has may not the ministry of the preacher like the music of the player lack that subtle element of passion that makes just all the difference i fancy i detect is my own ministry sometimes i will not dare to speak of the work of others that very self-same coldness and aloofness which the lack of love explained in the distinguished pianist though i speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love i am become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal it is a very old complaint but none the less tragic on that account we take it for granted that we preach christ because we love christ
but is the assumption always safe may we not rather cry with tennyson's poor fallen queen ah my god what might i not have made of thy fair world had i but loved thy highest creature here it was my duty to have loved the highest the more i love christ exclaimed gustav dory the better i can paint him of course the more accomplished the more biblical the most evangelical ministry may after all resemble the playing of our european professor an indescribable coldness a strange aloofness one thing lacking there can be no doubt that love exercises singular influences and wields potent charms had i but loved cries poor queen guinevere in the anguish of her remorse but no minister or teacher can afford to risk the visitation of that most poignant and pitiful regret end of part three chapter two recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c